Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday just in time for your daily commute. Taking on hosting is myself, Chris Doyle, today and I'm joined alongside the man, the myth, the trolling legend, Adam Miller, aka hmm. Old Firm Facts. Not sure, sure about trolling or, <laughs> or legend, actually. <laughs> um, well, first of all, um, for on the first topic of discussion uh, for today is Hibs. Um, They've got a new owner. Um, kind of came out of the blue this uh, this morning. Uh, well, the reports came out last night, and it got confirmed by the club today. So, uh, Ronald Gordon has, is his name. Um, Ronnie, Ron. We're not sure what he goes by. Mm-hmm. Um, Edin- Edinburgh-based businessman. So, right at home there. Made his money in the states. Um, so, basically, I think the kind of bullet points of what he's managed to do. Um, well, obviously, uh, Rod Petrie. Uh, steps down after quite a long time at the club and um, basically the club are now debt free six years ahead of time and they've also got a seven figure cash injection so yeah I mean all good news for Hibs it seems Um, is this a good step going forward for Hibs Adam? Yeah I think it's an exciting moment for Hibs Um, as you said the news sort of came out of the blue certainly as far as we were concerned it wasn't something that we'd uh, we'd expected to be happening anytime soon. The fact that they've cleared those debts is a huge step for Hibs. Um, no, I can't sit here and pretend to know much about Ron Gordon, um, especially because I've only just come into work a few minutes ago and just find out about all this. But uh, I think with uh, the work, the the way he's been talking, he's uh, he's made a good first impression talking about the Hibernian Community Foundation. I think he if his words are anything to go by, does have a good understanding of what Hibs mean, not just in terms of on the pitch, but in terms of what they mean to uh, the fans. Um, if there is an injection and that translates into players as well, then it is an exciting time for Hibs. Time will tell, but I think the big headline is the fact that the debt has been cleared. Um, and you can tell from the reaction among Hibs fans online that this has gone down really, really well. Um, I know Football Scotland ran a piece earlier on today about the sort of fan reaction to it, and uh, I think there's reactions like, I can hear the Champions League music already. <laughs> uh, I just saw Zlatan at Easter Road. Um, can't believe it's Hibs that are going to stop 10 in a row. You're welcome, Rangers. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a very positive step for Hibs. Time will tell, as I said, but uh, I can understand the enthusiasm Easter Road at the moment. Yeah, and I think the you're saying he's a Hibs man. The funny sort of side note to this is that well, the, we didn't know much about it, but the talks were going on going were ongoing for months, and he was at the he was given the VIP treatment at the Hibs Rangers game, the uh, the one at Easter Road where a fan came on confronted. Uh, James Tavernier, um, ugly scenes didn't look so good for Hibs that day, but mm-hmm. it didn't. Um, you must be a Hibs man because that didn't put him off, and he still came in, put his money where his mouth is. So, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, for a guy to be in a position to take over, or even just to you know any make any kind of substantial investment into a football club, you're going to have a bit of sort of business savvy about you to have accumulated that kind of wealth that allows you to do that, um, and so I would that would suggests to me that he's not the type of guy to make uh, impulse decisions and I'm sure he wouldn't have been impressed by what he saw with the Tavernier incident but I doubt that would have been enough to 
give him second thoughts over it. I think if anything, it'll it'll be sort of motivation for him to sort of clean up that image. Not that not that Hibs are by any distance the the worst defenders when it comes to that kind of thing, but there was you know over a spell of a couple of months last season, it did feel like through throughout Scottish football there was a kind of epidemic of this sort of thing where week in week out you had either people running onto the pitch or you had objects being thrown onto it, um, and the fact that he's been able to overlook that. Um, says you know he knows Scottish football and he knows that Scottish football is substantially more than just the kind of off-field problems um clearly he's an ambitious guy Hibs will want to uh, build on what Heckingbottom was doing last season uh I think bar a couple of dodgy results there were some really positive signs under Heckingbottom um and I think I think it is a good day for Hibs fans yeah, how far do you think they can go looking the next season? Um, I was saying before this actually that I felt like uh, the top six, well, um, Celtic Rangers are a bit ahead, but the kind of um, third, third to six spots are quite up for grabs. Or you now think the Hibs should be like thinking, yeah, we can get that, we can get that third, third spot, take that, take it over, you know, um, over Kamarnock and Aberdeen from last season. It really depends on how much he's willing to part with in terms of investing in the team. So it may be that he's confirmed that already, but I haven't I haven't seen it. Um, Hibs will need to invest if they're challenging for third place, uh, invest in new signings. I don't think it's out with their reach. You'd still, obviously, it's unlikely that Kilmarnock will hit quite the same standards as they did last season, but no one really knows what Alessio's capable of, and that's quite an exciting appointment at Rugby Park. Um, and it sort of quelled some of the disappointment from Steve Clark's departure. So I think you have to look at Kilmarnock and say they're probably just about favourites to take third place again. Um, Aberdeen have traditionally been the best of the rest, and they'll want to kind of they'll they'll want to get back into that position. Hearts, it's hard to tell at this moment. Um, Hibs have got a chance of finishing third. They'll certainly demand to be in the top six. I think maybe fourth or fifth for Hibs next season. But as I said, uh, a lot depends on A, how much Ron Gordon is willing to invest and B, I started that sentence thinking there was an A in the B and it's just an A. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll go on from that. Um, Obviously, I think um, think it was actually just a few days ago that Heckenbottom was um, saying he was confident bring back um, Stefan Omionga and Mark McNulty, who mm-hmm. were obviously really great for for them when they came in from January. So, but I think it was a my understanding was that I think they were just looking at loan deals to get them back for maybe another year. But mm-hmm. does this now this cash injection does that mean they could potentially look at getting those two in a permanent deal, or maybe just an, like maybe just another marquee signing that can really like sort of propel them. Well, the, next season. a lot of the buzz on social media that I've seen, and again, bear in mind, I've only had a quick couple of minutes to look at this stuff. I, 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 in that couple of minutes, I managed to see Omionga's name a couple of times. I know how exciting a player he was and how popular he was with mm-hmm. the fans. Uh, I know there'd also be a clamour for McNulty as well. If he could bring at least one of them, then he'd be getting himself off to a great start with the fans. Um, I still think the priority, though, the, the 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 real bottom line here is that he's wiped out that debt, which is, uh, um, it's not to be underestimated how yep. significant a deal that is to just overnight have that cleared, 
um, especially given some of the the horror stories we've seen in Scottish football in terms of finances over you know recent years. So I think that's a huge step for Hibs. They'll obviously want to build on that with success on the pitch, but you can't underestimate just how significant it is that that debt's been cleared. Yeah, exactly. It gives them a good basis to move forward, and yeah. you'd imagine that um, Gordon's coming in. We're not just thinking what we're doing for this season, like we did speak about, but maybe like a ten-year plan. You know, something mm-hmm. that's like can stabilize the club because you know it wasn't that long ago they were they were down in the the championship. So yeah. that's kind of an afterthought now, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they wouldn't want a repeat of that where they drop down. So it doesn't seem like hopefully like that will happen yeah. in their part, but it seems like they can definitely sort of push on. Yeah. Um. So the next thing that um was probably one of the biggest biggest things that happened today was that um obviously Kenny Miller was um was in the papers today. Um, he obviously parted Thistle's new signing after his kind of brief spells at Livingston at the start of last season and then uh, Dundee. Um. Basically, he was um, sort of reflecting on his time at Rangers. Obviously, it was a bit of a sour end um, with having Lee, Lee Wallace. Um, basically, I'm sure everyone knows, but um, yeah, basically, there was a massive bust up in the dressing room um, after one of the, the cup games against Celtic, um, uh, where they kind of had to go at um, caretaker boss Graham Murty. Um, but they were actually cleared of any round rounding, uh, mm. appealed it from sort of the SPFL. Um, didn't see them sort of they weren't kind of out of line or anything. Um, but there was still this kind of well, kind of ended their careers at Ibrox anyway. And mm. um, Miller went on that year after, and uh, then Wallace stayed the next year, but he's just moved to QPR to join up with um, Mark Warburton. Um, so. Yeah, he was basically saying, um, I left Rangers out the back door with a black bag over my shoulder, mm-hmm. um, which was quite um, strong words. Um, yeah. uh, and also, he was basically saying that Wallace was victimised for being left out of the team last season when obviously he, he was gone. So it's more, do you think that those two, even though it's a while gone now, but do you think those two deserved a better sort of send-off? It's hard to comment when none of us know exactly what happened in the dressing room because um, I could l- launch into a, you know an impassioned defence of Miller and Wallace and then something comes out five years down the line in someone's autobiography and it puts a completely different spin on things. However, the way it looks, I definitely feel the, uh, the two players weren't afforded enough respect considering what they'd given that club over the years. Lee Wallace, when he left a couple of weeks ago... Um, there were there were comments on social media from players. Tavernier put up a really nice message. I think something along the lines of, you know, he inspired me as a captain and with what he'd done at Rangers and all that kind of thing. So he clearly was a popular figure among the players, and they showed him the appropriate respect when he left. But there was almost nothing from the club, no kind of acknowledgement of not just the length of time he'd been at the club, but the sacrifice that he'd made. Because most players wouldn't have gone down to the bottom tier of Scottish football the way that Lee Wallace did um, and he established himself as the key player in that Rangers team and he was there throughout that climb up the leagues um, most people wouldn't have done that and Lee Wallace wouldn't have been short of offers even as recently as last season I still think Lee Wallace was the best left back in that Rangers squad clearly the only reason he wasn't getting a game is because he'd been bombed out at the club and they weren't, you know, they didn't like him personally, mm-hmm. as opposed to didn't not rating him 
in terms of what he can deliver on the pitch. I still think Lee Wallace will be a success at QPR. I think uh, Warburton clearly knows him well from their time together at Rangers and knows how good a player Lee Wallace is and can still be. Um, so, assuming that there's not more to it, which there could be, uh, I do think Wallace has been dealt with harshly. Similarly, with Kenny Miller, um, that's a guy who has, I think in total, I think it was a cumulative period of eight years in total throughout his career he'd spent at Rangers, something like that. Um, and you can, you can at times you could maybe, uh, you know, at, at times with Kenny Miller, he might have an off game or whatever, but you, no matter how well he's played in a particular game, you could never, ever fault his running and his desire. And Kenny Miller scored a lot of important goals for Rangers in his career. He scored important goals wherever he's gone, but he's scored a lot of important goals for Rangers. He was a big game player and the type of player who would galvanise the rest of the team around him. Um, so Miller, like Wallace is a player who has given a lot to Rangers over a sustained period, over a, a long period of time. Um, and again, the handling of his departure just feels a bit shoddy. Um, whether or not he's a success at Partick Thistle, I think, is he 39 now? Um, clearly, you know, from what, you know, from what you can see and from what I've heard from people as well, Miller at 39 is in better physical shape or... Uh, his fitness is better than most players five years younger than him. So there's no doubt that Kenny Miller is still able to run about a pitch. Um, Whether he still has it in him to be a success at Thistle, we don't know that yet. But I can see why Caldwell has signed a guy with his experience. Um, And I think he still feels, he'll still feel like he has a point to prove, Kenny Miller. His last season, he was in a really, really poor Dundee side. Um, and this season, I think uh, I think he'll still see himself as someone who's capable of scoring goals. But again, I just think with Miller and with Wallace, unless something comes to light down the line that makes me sound really stupid for what I'm saying just now, I think the two of them have been dealt with really shoddily by Rangers, if shoddily is a word. Um, I, th- I think given the service and not just how long they've been there, but the effort that they put in when they were there, um, the way the way that they inspired the players around them, I think both of them deserved a far greater send off than they got. Yeah, just something about it just seems a wee bit off. Um, yeah. I think it was um, as you were saying, they were just held in such high regard by the their both of them by their their teammates. Yeah. Um, and then the fans. So fair enough if like if it's sort of you know football's a business, you know players go their separate ways, mm-hmm. but there's nothing kind of stopping like maybe like when. Lustig's going out the door, sort of like this year at Celtic. Um, there's no, you can't just. There's, you should be able to just sort of kind of, sort of shake your hand and you know, yeah. pat them on the back, and then go go your separate ways and just mm-hmm. kind of wish wish each other good luck. But I think it was funnily enough. Uh, Wallace was on Talk Sport mm-hmm. uh, earlier this morning. Um, interesting how they were both chatting on, on the same day. Um, but basically, he was saying that. He was just kind of confirming that that um, similar to Miller, that um, the Rangers hierarchy or you know the Chiefs, they didn't actually sort of give him that farewell. That and he said he didn't, he wasn't expecting it, but obviously it's something that's still kind of lingering about that maybe you know kind of kind of hurts him a, a, a little bit. I can understand that hurting him given what he's given to the club. I think there's a real lack of class there. I've worked in places 
where you, no one in any workplace gets on with everyone that they work with. Um, and sometimes you have fall, fallings out with your management and sometimes that's kind of untenable and one of you has to leave, but you still, unless something really, really dramatic has happened, you still put that to one side, shake each other's hand on the way out the door and say good luck. Um, I think you could see from the reception that Wallace got when he got his wee token run onto the pitch and I think it was Rangers' last home game of the season, he got like the last three or four minutes, um, which is almost... In a way, sending him on for three or four minutes is all, almost feels like a sort of snide thing to do, you know, like an acknowledgement that you are part of the team, but you're not going to actually contribute. But uh, the other, on the other hand, there's, you know, at least gave him a proper send off. But you could you could see and hear from the Rangers fans when he came on, and when that game ended, that they still respected what he'd done for the club, and that they wanted to give him a proper send off. So I, I really feel there's something. I feel there's probably something that we don't know about what happened with Miller and Wallace, and uh, we might never find out what that is, or we might find about it find out about it five, ten years from now in someone's autobiography. But the way it looks just now, I think Rangers could have handled it with a great deal more respect. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so on to kind of our, our last topic um, of discussion. Um, last night, news came out that uh, uh, Zenit St. Petersburg had uh, launched a a nine million bid for Celtic midfielder Tom Rogic. Um, so, yeah, kind of out of the blue here, Celtic are saying the report said that Celtic want fifteen million for him. Um, a Premier League side unnamed also interested in getting them. Um, so he didn't have the best year last year, kind of hampered with injuries. Um, I mean, he doesn't have the best kind of fitness issues anyway, usually only kind of playing 60, 70 minutes mm-hmm. for um, Celtic, but obviously a big contributor in the past with Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a very sort of uh, influential player for Celtic and kind of attacking third. Um, do you think it's... Um, do you think that's a... Well, first of all, do you think that's a fair offer for them? Nine million, is that fair or...? Um, I think Celtic will want maybe a couple of million more than that. I don't see them. I don't see anyone. And I could be wrong, but I don't see anyone offering fifteen million for Roger, given those injury problems that he's had. I think like Roger is a guy who has delivered in numerous big games for Celtic. He's a guy that has scored crucial goals for them, whether that be in derbies or in cup games. Um, he's a classy player. He's someone who gets fans excited. But at the same time, if those injury problems continue to kind of eat away at him, and he's still a guy who, when he is considered fit enough to start, will only ever give you 60, 70 minutes maximum, um, I think if a team comes in with 11 or 12 million, then I think Celtic would take that. And looking at the reaction last night from Celtic fans when that news broke, there were some Celtic fans... We, you know, with an understandable sentimental attachment to Roger, given some of the big goals he's scored for him and the fact that he's been there, I think, six years and he's uh, clearly taken the club to heart. Um, I I can understand that sentimental int- uh, attachment, but I think looking at things in a sort of more dispassionate way, there were quite a few Celtic fans who were saying, you know, I wouldn't like to see him go, but I would totally understand if the club accepted an offer for him. And I think, on balance, I think there were probably more Celtic fans who would have ex- who would accept it begrudgingly, but they would accept it than Celtic fans who were raging about the prospect of it happening. 
Yeah, do you, I mean, do you think he has like still has a part to play the next season uh, under Lennon? Obviously, a kind of a new system and maybe sort of you know there's going to be a new personnel or whatever. But do you think he still has a part to play on his day? He's absolutely. I mean, if if Roger was uh, was constantly match fit and whatever issues were causing him to only ever be available for 60, 70 minutes, if he could get beyond that, um, I think he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet. I think he's, on a technical level, easily one of the most skillful players in the country. Um, he's got the he's got the technical ability to be a success down south as well. I think uh, there's no question, question marks when it comes to how good he is with the ball at his feet, how much of a threat he is not just in terms of creating chances, but in terms of scoring goals from outside the box. We've seen some absolute crackers from Roderick over the years. But I think uh, I think Celtic have to look at it dispassionately. And if the right bid comes in for him, what, regardless of whether he could be an asset next season, it's the fact that there is a big question mark over that. It's, you know, will he be fit? Can he last 90 minutes? And those are two really, really big question marks. And so when a player, when a sizable bid comes in for a player like that, um, I think I think Celtic might take that. Yeah, his value, you're, as you're saying, if he, say if he has these injuries persist uh, next season, his value could easily depreciate. Yeah. Uh, more likely than it would kind of go up. So yeah. I could see as in terms of like a business point of view and be like, well, if the offer's right, then we'll take it. Yeah. Uh, similar to what... Um, They've said about Tierney, Tierney. so yeah, yeah, they've, they've been like twenty-five, and if the team get, gives mm-hmm. that, then it's kind of up to the players. Um, yeah. So I mean, we've obviously gave our listeners a lot of uh, Kieran Tierney chat. Um, there's more coming out today, so um, <laughs> but you'll be right on top of it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, basically, um, David Ornstein of uh, BBC Sport came out today, said that um, Napoli, who are yet to table. Uh, an official bid from they're yeah. edging closer um whatever that means we're not sure yeah. yet and um, they're obviously still interested in him despite arsenal obviously you were thinking that they, they're the kind of front runners to get mm-hmm. him um but it came out last night that arsenal launched a, a 40 million bid 40 million pounds bid for uh wilfred zahav crystal palace um which could potentially have a sort of a knock-on effect of yeah. their their yeah. uh pursuit of tyranny um Essentially, uh, Arsenal have a shoestring budget uh, this summer. Um, they're really trying to offload a lot of their players, so they have like a bigger budget to use. So they only have something like 45, 50 million, which isn't actually that much yeah. for Arsenal or um, a Premier League club. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of it's going on this, isn't it? Do you think Arsenal, are they in danger of maybe like doing almost like what Celtic did last year with John McGinn and they're just kind of putting all these, these offers in and just they're actually they might miss out on them maybe not to Napoli but it could be another team they just come in they just pay the 25 and then that's it it's a possibility I think uh, I, I feel like Tierney I can't speak for the guy obviously but I, I feel like if if Tierney was given the choice between Arsenal and Napoli he'd probably take the move to Arsenal however if Napoli are the only team to meet Celtic's valuation then that's a different choice for him I think uh, Arsenal will find it within themselves to reach Celtic's valuation and then the club and the player both have very big decisions to make. I've I said it before, I still think uh, I think there's a really good chance that Tierney will leave this season. I think 
from the players' perspective, given the injury problems they had last season, as you were alluding to earlier, I think uh, there's going to be playing in the back of his mind this idea that this is this could be the move. This could be the move that sets me and my family up for life, gets me playing in one of the best leagues in the world. And if I don't take it now and you know try and stay at Celtic for ten in a row or whatever, um, this opportunity might not come back again because these injuries might persist. Um, and then, as you said, his value depreciates and Arsenal aren't in for him two years from now. It's maybe a lower league, or not a lower league, a, a sort of lower table, mid-table English Premier League side without the same level of glamour and obviously the same financial benefits of Arsenal. So I think that will be playing in Tierney's mind. I think that move, one way or another, will happen, and I think it'll probably be Arsenal rather than Napoli. I could be wrong, but that's that's kind of that's my hunch. Well, yeah, even though that they've came in for um, Zaha, um, Crystal Palace are actually valuing um, their kind of prized asset at eighty million, which is Jesus. quite high. <laughs> um, so Arsenal, in terms of that, are way off. Um, I don't think there's a way they can sort of afford both. So it just kind of depends. Um, which one they're prior- prioritising. 80 million for 80 Zaha. <laughs> next you'll be telling me someone's going to pay 70 million for Harry Maguire. Uh, next topic. <laughs> no, the, these are these are the, the numbers that are flying flying about down south. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, um, yeah, Crystal Palace, I don't know if they've officially knocked it back, but um, a lot of the reaction from Arsenal fans last night were like they were just laughing at their own club and being yeah. like, that's just embarrassing. You know that that's how much Crystal Palace wants. So 40 million is fair enough. You don't think 80 is enough, but you know, that's quite far off. And yeah. It was almost like the the Suarez in- instant, uh, Luis Suarez, when he played for Liverpool in 2013, where Arsenal put in a 40 million pound bid plus one pound yeah. <laughs> t- to activate talks. Yeah. And then Liverpool were like, um, yeah, jog on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a very, it seems like Arsenal have done this type of move before, but yeah. as we say, that they have prioritised getting sort of, they've not got the best defence, trying to improve that, and Tuni is obviously a player they can, you know, get in the cheap in a sense because he's from Scotland, whereas Zaha is the complete opposite of that. He's inflated, but obviously, yeah, um, yeah I mean, you could argue, don't want to get into Arsenal too much, but um, they don't really need... Uh, sort of a striker you think they could definitely utilise Tierney yeah. um, more so I guess we'll see how this kind of plays out Napoli maybe they'll come forward the next few days with natural official yeah. bid that might push on Arsenal mm-hmm. to then finally be like right we need to get a finger out because this guy might get snapped up so yeah. it's interesting to see how it plays out but um, yeah I think that's that's all for today um, here at Football Scotland um, we will be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable you can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott to ask a question or make a comment to us individually you can get me on at by Chris Doyle and Adam on at Old Firm Facts 1 so until tomorrow thanks for listening